This is the fucking normal podcast. The cheers, tears and Friday night beers of parenting disabled children. I'm Rena And I'm Lauren. And we're both mothers to daughters with special needs. Parenting a disabled child can often feel difficult to navigate. If this is you, you're not alone. We're here to share unique parenting stories and chat about the things that we've learnt and are still learning. Prepare to sometimes laugh, sometimes cry, but hopefully leave with a shot of optimism in your arm. And don't forget, we are talking from a parent's perspective. We would never presume to talk on behalf of a disabled child or adult. So expect bad language and, quite frankly, some brutal honesty. Because really, what the fuck is normal anyway? Wake me up, loud as clouds, all my love for you. Welcome to another episode of the Fucking Normal Podcast. In today's episode, we're talking about relationships, in particular, partner relationships. Whether you're parenting together or alone, we know that children can have a huge impact on a relationship and especially when the child has a disability. So I want to start this episode and talk about my relationship status. So I am recently engaged to be married. (laughs) And I've been with my partner for seven years and we have beautiful Lua who is six. Lauren, you? Um, So I am married to my partner in crime or co-pilot, the lovely Patrick. And we've been together, well, we were together for around 10 years before having children um we married first had our daughter olivia and then had b who has special needs um jesus i am so bloody traditional (laughs) had the whole white wedding huge white wedding the lot anyway that's me and today we are going to be joined by our gorgeous and wonderful friend vicky to talk about relationships but before we get into it um i just wanted to flag that this episode contains potentially triggering themes of domestic violence the names locations and dates have been changed to protect the privacy of individuals and any resemblance to actual persons living or dead is purely coincidental as i said today we're talking to our friend vicky it's a broad topic relationships uh, with many facets so we will cover this topic of relationships across various episodes not just this one but as as vicky will describe she has quite a lot to, to discuss <laughs> on the topic uh vicky is a single mum to her four-year-old son Xander. she works in strategic consultancy and i'm delighted that she's a fellow wild swimmer um so we go swimming together sometimes uh, vicky's son Xander has many diagnoses um including Listen carefully, a rare life-limiting brain malformation, uncontrolled epilepsy with multiple daily seizures. He's registered blind, he's non-verbal, and he uses a wheelchair. And he has, I think, numerous other diagnoses besides. I can personally testify that Xander is the sweetest little chap and most charming guy you'll ever meet. Um, So, Vicky, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for that lovely intro. Hi. (laughs) I guess to start us off, perhaps before we get into the the background, do you want to just clarify what your relationship status is today? Sure. So in the course of my child's life, um, I've had multiple relationship statuses, including in no particular order. I've been married, a domestic abuse survivor, divorced, single, 
dating and in a long-term relationship. Um, do you know, I recently realised that I am a Daily Mail stigmatised label, like divorced single mother of a disabled child. Oh dear God. I know. <laughs> and you know, it's liberating and I'm really, really proud. Like just, yeah, I feel like we're doing the labels our way and I'd like to think with a modicum of style as well. Fuck Damn. yeah, do it. <laughs> I guess the point of telling you about my multiple relationship statuses is, is that I reckon I'm qualified to discuss relationships on a disabled parenting podcast. Um, we, we, this is why we pick you. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. No, but honestly, thank you. It's great that we've got you on here. It's worth saying that um, Xander, my son, is amazing um, and he lives with me. Um, we are the dream team. So as a result of living with me 90% of the time, he is inextricably, can't speak, inextricably bound with all my relationships. And actually, I wouldn't change it for the world. We live in this mellow little love bubble and yes. Sounds serene and lovely. It is, most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. When there isn't epilepsy involved, yeah. Let's <laughs> not <laughs> so talk about that besides. <laughs> um, it's actually, it's also worth saying that my, my aim of sharing my abridged story is hopefully to give hope to other listeners on a similar journey, be that other single parents or those in more unconventional setups or those who are currently in toxic relationships whilst caring for a disabled child. Um, a quarter of women experience domestic violence from intimate partners. And I, I believe it's really, really important to talk about this and not sweep it under the carpet. Um, undoubtedly, there will be listeners in a similar boat. And to those who are still in the toxic or abusive relationships, please, please start listening to yourself, listen to your gut, learn about domestic abuse and, and eventually safety get out, safely get out for your sake and your child's sake. Um, sorry, I've taken, taken it to quite a dark place, but sadly it will only get worse. And there are amazing charities who will help you to safely escape like they did with me. There's Women's Aid, Solace, Refuge, and local domestic violence services. They will believe you, they're experienced, they will help. Um, and having a child is the number one reason why domestic abuse relationships end. I'm no different, and certainly having a disabled child, I think, exacerbates it further. Um, my child gave me the strength to leave, and I, I just didn't want him growing up in that environment with fear. On a sort of more positive note, it is so much easier to parent a profoundly disabled child without constant criticism, gaslighting, belittling, mean words and actions which just sap away your confidence and worth and energy. And honestly, like single parent is single parenting is just a walk in the park in comparison. And that actually is quite a, an irony because when you're in those relationships, you have an abusive partner often telling you that you wouldn't survive without them. And it's it's the polar opposite is true. The sun shines even brighter beyond that relationship and you can relax without constantly having to walk on eggshells just to get through every day. Um, the last point in that is just, I'm not sugarcoating the entire single parenting existence. Like practically, of course, it is quite grueling sometimes being an A&E alone with a pearly child or Oh, do you know, dealing with teething at 5am by myself, but it was still easier than the terrible relationship 
with someone whom I was scared of, in addition to the exhausting reality of caring for a disabled child as, as wonderful as he is. Wow, that's, it's intense. Um, I want to go back to the pregnancy. Can you talk us a little bit about just what your pregnancy was like? Oh, I wish I could be a bit cheerier here. <laughs> However, <laughs> my pregnancy was actually really tough and lonely. Um, I think it's a, do you know, it's a vulnerable time in a woman's life anyway. And the context is that I was already in a toxic relationship. But honestly, I just I fit, hadn't fully acknowledged it. Um, despite the red flags, despite so many instances of unacceptable behaviour and my gut instinct, I, I'd lost confidence in myself and I, I really loved the partner I was with. Um, instead, as many abusive relationships go, my long-term partner's behaviour actually markedly worsens during pregnancy. This, this is really common. Um, mm. So to make this easier, I guess, let's call my partner Bob. Mm. <laughs> Bob's previous controlling behaviour really stepped up a gear when I was pregnant, actually from the moment I was pregnant. Um, this is in various forms. So I believe he isolated me from friends and family geographically, emotionally. Oh, God, he hated me even having phone calls. He had really controlling behaviours, like particularly around things like my eating, because I was told I was fat and ugly, so I couldn't eat bread, which I would sneakily do on the side anyway. Um, uh, I'll go wrong. <laughs> do you just gaslight me about petty things through to actually really serious things, like telling me I shouldn't go to a &E when I had a suspected miscarriage after um, going downstairs. Um, and I was told I was overly dramatic when, in hindsight, absolutely not, go to a &E. Um, financial control escalated when I was pregnant too, which again is really common, which you only find out after you're out of that relationship. Um, so I bought all baby items from my own personal account and savings whilst he was making these huge cash withdrawals from the joint account when we had bills to pay, which I, it just, I guess, added to the stress. Um, mm -hmm. Then his paranoid episodes started increasing in number so he had a few of them before but I always sort of thought maybe he was just stressed with work but I, I think in hindsight again it was ultimately about breaking down my boundaries so he'd have some paranoid allegation which ultimately meant I'd have to give him my social media passwords my email passwords my banking passwords to prove that you weren't cheating that or I wasn't Oh, there was some weird allegation about something to do with like drugs and school friends with me just completely baffled, bamboozled doing that. I, do you know what? I'm pregnant and trying to nest. I'd, I'd have nothing to hide, have all my passwords. I completely complied because I loved him and I trusted him and I had nothing to hide. So fine. Like, I don't know where this has come from, but off you go, fill your boots. And then in hindsight I sound really naive but I, I just didn't even suspect that he was then accessing my phone on a regular basis I genuinely thought it was just me being dappy and having pregnancy brain when notes started changing on my phone um, and then when Xander was born there were videos and photos were deleted social events were changed like the timings were off emails were deleted or read and I, do you know what? I completely convinced myself that I had early Alzheimer's or it was baby brain. And I remember telling him about it too, thinking, oh God, I hope my brain goes back to normal. Like, I don't, will anyone ever employ me after this if, I, if I'm this dappy? So I was pregnant, 
tired, worn down, and I thought I could fix it. And I thought I could improve our relationship and stop the criticism and the yelling if I just tried a little harder. And if I followed his ever-changing, actually really controlling and meticulous rules, which were just, the goalposts just kept moving. Um, And then increasingly, he started to scare me too. It started in arguments where he'd break my things um, when he was angry. And so it was like things that meant something to me, sentimental, brooch from my best friend, photo frames, hair straighteners, kicked a plug off a wall. And it was punishment as to look what I'd made him do. But actually it it acted really well at making me quite scared of him physically. And then when he escalated onto doing emergency stops with me in the car when I was heavily pregnant, I was so scared that, sorry, so we'd be driving along, he'd stop and roar and scream at me and I was just petrified about the pressure of the seatbelt on on my unborn oh, child. Um, and then there was a, a pushing stairs incident as well, which wasn't wonderful. Um, so yeah, pregnancy wasn't great. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, you had a laugh so or cry, sorry. I think. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's horrible. It's horrendous. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry that. I mean, there are no words. It, whatever yeah. we say will never be able to encompass everything that we feel about any woman not just you being in that situation with somebody making them feel that type of way it's just sad but out of it came an amazing small child so how was the birthday if Xander Xander <laughs> came oh, into like sorry okay so the birth was 50 50 absolutely terrible um almost thought we'd lost Sander. He was really distressed. There was an emergency C-section. He required oxygen, but it was also just incredible. The best morning of my life um, to finally have him out, to know that he was alive and he survived. And I'm still so, so grateful for the opportunity to be his mum. I fell madly in love with him the minute I met him. Mm. Um, And I'm getting all like teary. (laughs) Just the first few months of Xander were absolutely wonderful, but also exhausting like any brand new parent. Yeah. Don't know if I could go back to that again. (laughs) (laughs) And how was the relationship during that time? Um, Yeah, the first few months of Xander, if I'm honest, I was so focused on my little guy and what he needed. Um, It was excellent single parenting preparation because I did everything on no sleep. So Xander was crying a lot. The jigsaw pieces of his diagnosis were there, but I I didn't know I was a first time mum. So I'd take him to the GP. GP would say you're a first time mum. I'd wander away going, oh, really? But he seems to, you're saying he's got asthma when he's five weeks old. Really? It's the middle of summer. Um, And then, do you know what? I did realise that my already fractured romantic relationship was was now a gulf. Um, Bob, the long-term partner, just refused to help. He told me it was a woman's role to um, mm. <laughs> look after my little guy single-handedly, which I, I hadn't... How, how did we not have this conversation until suddenly Xander was around? Um, he'd just do petty things again. Like, he refused to take photos of Xander and I together because he knew it meant a lot to me. So I'd end up sort of begging him to take photos of us. It's just, oh it's God. just 
I'm assuming it's a resentful jealousy that a new person had come into my world and was taking my attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was a boy. But he's so much Mm -hmm. more, yeah, (laughs) absolutely wonderful and gave me incredible hugs back. Um, So yes, the first few months were tough. I doubted myself a lot, but then at the same time, like any, any new parent, I also was gaining confidence and getting to know my child. It's that wonderful dance of figuring out who he was and him figuring out who I was and that the bond was I think we had quite a strong bond already but grew grew much stronger as a result however two months in I realized that my relationship was properly screwed so me being me didn't want to let go and thought you know what I'm going to give it another attempt I'm going to do something like oh god like a sort of desperate attempt to, to save things with Bob so I made a stupid big gesture of gifting him tickets to Venice as a romantic break with Xander and I for my own birthday, which is just a really <laughs> weird setup. I don't know why I thought it was a good idea. Like, I think, I, I honestly think it was just newborn logic. I don't know. Two in the morning. Yeah, this would be a great idea. Um, Yeah, it was terrible. No one should ever go on a romantic break to Venice with a newborn. Xander screamed a lot. He had colic it was noisy it was heat it was stress because it was um it was in june and bob the partner just behaved actually really appallingly he was like a moody teenager on my birthday and he called xander a screaming brat which really really pissed me off mm. um how old so, was xander at this point two months oh, yeah um, you just said gosh so after a day of silent treatment on my birthday i was sort of politely ignoring it and then do you know what? I just got fed up. We went back to the Airbnb and I said, Look, I, why are you being like this? I, I want to have an open, honest communication about our relationship. Like, are you in it? Do you love Xander? Do you love me? Um, is it over? And then he was really mean. He told me he was disgusted by me as I'd been so obese during pregnancy and still was. Um, I had let myself go. I was lucky he hadn't had an affair and he hated every part of me. And lovely. I just, you know, I think, again, it's moments like that that are helpful, oddly, for me having that, hang on a sec, like, this is my birthday. (laughs) This is really upsetting for for the baby. You are properly ruining what's meant to be our first family holiday. I said that if he wasn't happy, let's end the relationship. Then unexpectedly, he pushed me to the wall, put his hands around my throat. Um, He squeezed until I couldn't breathe. And he told me that I was so fucking entitled, he would decide when I could go. Um, And then he paused. (laughs) And then he let go and I sort of fell to my knees and had just like jelly knees. And I managed to get to this strange little toilet we had in this airbnb with this odd little unsafe folding door and i locked myself in the toilet and sat in there and i had my phone in my pocket and i had this moment of clarity just clear crystallizing in my mind why i had to get away um i wrote a note to myself on my phone sitting on this random loo in this random toilet there is no way that Xander was going to grow up in an environment where he thought this was a normal relationship. We are not safe. We need to get out. And I, I needed to have that moment of just 
resolution. So we got back to Britain um, and from that point on, I think I, I started sort of quietly confiding in my mum and close friends. However, the joy of a disabled child is there are priorities and I can be quite logical about my number one priority was look after our child. I knew that Xander needed to have some kind of diagnosis. He was not right um, and he needed help. He needed it urgently. I needed to get him the help, the treatment, the diagnosis, and then I needed to escape. I was pretty clear that that <laughs> might take a bit of time. So in the meantime, honestly, I was keeping out of Bob's way. Um, then in the intervening period of trying to go backwards and forwards to doctors and paediatricians, trying to get a diagnosis, I, I guess I, I have started viewing Bob in a different way, noticing the patterns and realising that I believe he was extremely unstable, volatile, and I was, despite trying to avoid this man, this emotional and physical abuse was worsening whenever I was around. So I just ended up sort of staying with Xander in random friends' houses, my sister's house. When we were around, um, his surveillance became sort of quite obsessive. Do you think he, he was feeling that you had changed in some way, that you were... In hindsight, yeah. Do you know what? I think that maybe makes logical sense. I hadn't even realised, this sounds ludicrous too, we had a video camera in our house, um, which was for security to, you know, the front door, and then it appeared in the lounge and he told me it didn't work. And I'm so bloody naive that I didn't question it. Um, but yeah, that makes sense of watching me, I spent a lot of time in the lounge breastfeeding my small child who was yeah. struggling to feed all the time. Um, but yeah, it was endless recording of me without my permission. And I guess I must have had phone calls with people in there too. He presumably did suspect. Of course. I guess, but, you know, calling your former self naive, you were, you were in a situation where you'd been controlled, gaslit, you know, abused and you had a small child you were a new mom and you were dealing with all of the stuff that's you were going through with Xander I mean the fact that you were so together to even kind of logically have a list of priorities as you just described about you know first mm -hmm. I need to do this then I need to do this and this is my priority and I, I is in, is in my mind incredible yeah. so you know like I don't know if, yeah, if it's useful for me to say, but don't, please don't, you know, look back on your former self and say how ludicrous and naive you were, because I think what you're describing is incredibly strong. And I don't think, I mean, you can, it's incomparable, the situations that we had, but just me being in hospital with Lil for seven months, I couldn't think of anything else but her, let alone having to deal with a multitude of very serious things going on in my life. So I, I cannot imagine, I mean, I commend you to the nth degree for being able to. I'm so bad with compliments. Thank you. I'm struggling, I'm struggling <laughs> to accept this. <laughs> you don't need thank to say, you, you don't need thank to thank say anything. Just take it. However, take it. <laughs> I do really believe that as a parent and especially as a parent of a disabled child, that your instinct is to just protect this small person. Absolutely. So, in this odd way, like Xander gave me the clarity to sort of just zone out some of the bullshit around because none yeah. of it matters. I had complete perspective on my baby needs me and there are 
there was something wrong with him. I hate saying there's something wrong with him, but there was. Mm -hmm. And I endlessly was trying to get the GP to, to listen. Whilst then just having these sort of odd, like creepy staged recordings with someone who'd come in with sort of weird, like smile in his face whilst watching the camera in his top pocket. And then we'd have a sort of odd conversation that was the polar opposite to a conversation we'd had a couple of days before whilst looking at his phone. Like, I can't explain how obvious it was that I was being recorded, thinking, I don't know what your game is, but I'm just, I'm busy. I'm looking after a small child. What are you doing? Mm. Um, Did you ever, like, point it out? Like, why are you recording me? What are you doing? Ah, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was um, in Great Ormond Street one Saturday, so I hadn't told him that I suspected and then um, had proof and I uh, yeah, spoke to him about it in Great Ormond Street and he went nuts, predictably, because I guess a person like that often reacts defensively by making allegations back. So, yeah, in short, it was a precursor to what became actually quite stalking, odd behaviour over the next few years. But I, do you know what? I just was still busy piecing the jigsaw pieces together and thought maybe it's a one-off maybe it's just one week maybe he's being paranoid maybe there's a plethora of excuses for why this is happening and maybe it'll just stop which is yeah my general (laughs) optimism of life (laughs) yeah anyway back to Xander his diagnosis took over my everything um and I just kept appearing at you know you have those like mother baby groups those weigh-ins mm-hmm. I kept appearing at those and saying you know he's, he's not doing any of the baby milestones that he should yet um and I've, I've got that damn what to expect when expecting do um and then they were saying well let, let's just wait let's just wait another long a bit longer let's wait another month another week so then I started taking him to other baby mother sorry mother and baby weigh-ins in different this is ludicrous but like slightly different regions thinking maybe I'll get a, a different response. In short, five months in, I finally got a diagnosis for him by taking him to my sister's paediatrician. Um, my family were amazing, actually, and believed me. Um, then the paediatrician spent five minutes with him, told me that he thought he was blind, he had severe hypotonia. Then I got to an ophthalmologist who was amazing. She's actually a friend of a friend, which is weird serendipity. Um, ophthalmologist told me that his eyes worked but she believed he was blind so there was probably a problem with his brain signaling therefore I had to try and push for an MRI in the NHS which then gave me the focus to just start hounding the paediatrician's receptionist to get that MRI booked in so I would just endlessly be on the phone trying to persuade them to do that and then actually Xander's epilepsy took over and his seizures began I haven't discussed the relationship there, which probably says a lot. I was just so focused on Xander. <laughs> I mean, how how was the relationship at that time? Um, I think he was, if I'm being kind, I think he was in denial. I think it's hard for anyone to accept that the child you have in front of you, who maybe looks quite normal, isn't what you wanted them to be or your expectations. Um. But still to this day, I do believe there's some degree of denial with him. Um, Like even after we'd escaped and left, he still did the sort of domestic violence cliche of 
making loads of false claims and allegations about my care of Xander, um, which I, I think is part of that is believing them himself and then part is just, oh, just being a bit of a controlling weirdo. But anyway, I'm underplaying it. He's made 481 allegations to date um, in the last few years, many of which are safeguarding. You name it, I've apparently done it. None of which have come to anything because they're untrue and just sort of clearly rantings of someone who's bitter and who lost control. Anywho, <laughs> Xander and I escaped and we escaped with incredible support from domestic violence charities, agencies, police, and we skipped off into the sunset. The point is, for anyone listening, please learn from me. If you are in a miserable, toxic relationship with someone who's unkind and mean and behaving in a disrespectful, abusive manner, please know that, oh, I hate to say it, but the relationship will not get better. It worsens. There is no excuse for this behaviour. You are not to blame. You just fell in love with the wrong person who is an asshole. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> You're stronger than you know, and you can absolutely get away from this. I promise you life is so much easier, fun, light and bright when you can just focus on your disabled child and yourself. Ideally, you'll be able to quietly plan a safe exit with help from professionals, and they will believe you. This is really, really important. Um, so controlling par partners can become more volatile and unpredictable when they can sense that you're leaving. So please plan it quietly um, with confidential professional help and also change your passwords, not like me. Um, in all seriousness, if things escalate and you are scared, you're in danger, call the police. Um, I know I haven't met you, but if this resonates, I'm wishing you so, so much strength and love and you've got this. Next topic, please. Thank you. Vicky, I mean, sharing your story with so much honesty and all of that detail um, is obviously incredibly hard, uh, but to do it to, to support other people and to, to reach out to others who might be in a similar boat, just incredible. Thank you. Thank it's you. really, really, really important that we talk about these things. It's really, really important that we talk about it in any case but also with a mind to helping others that's, that's so, so openly and honestly it's just i'm sure that there are listeners out there who will find this incredibly useful and hopefully take on some of your advice lessons life lessons Life lessons. <laughs> life lessons. <laughs> it's a nice way of putting it <laughs> thank you for having me on well we're not going to end it there we have more questions mm. <laughs> <laughs> intriguing wake me move on to the fairy tale that is single parenting and do you know i sound really sarcastic saying that i, I don't <laughs> actually mean it i really really love single parenting a disabled child it's loads of fun is it because you, you get to control everything so it's your way or no way <laughs> we just have our own little we have our own little groove going on um we i think when our relationship ends quite often someone um maybe tries to remember who they were before mm you have this kind of new role in life and likewise when you have a child you have a new role in life because you are suddenly a mother or a father or 
having to care for this small person. And so having those two things combined with my favorite little person in the whole wide world was just incredibly fun and silly figuring it out together and figuring out our little routine. And I'm so incredibly grateful to have my partner in crime as my son. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing I like more than we live on top of a hill. So being in the car together, he's in the front seat because he has uncontrolled epilepsy. There are perks of this. <laughs> so he's in the front seat next to me and we'll fly down that hill together. And I just feel so exhilarated and alive each day seeing him next to me as my little co-pilot genuinely in the car. It's absolutely wonderful. This is what life's about. Mm. What an image. Mm. Can just imagine. And it. does he love it? Does he oh, love it? Yeah. 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 All the way. Yeah. <laughs> my car's got really irritating beeps when it reverses and he finds them hilarious. So <laughs> I, can't, I can't switch them off now. So um, yeah, he loves it. He loves cruising around London. I think it's interesting what you say about actually you change and, and shift and your focus changes when you have a child. We all know that. And I, I guess with disability or send children in the mix, it can be more profound. You know, listening to your story and, and I'm not at all trying to compare it, but the um, I definitely changed a lot. I'm mm. a completely different person 10 years since I married my husband. And the empathy, the kind of perspective that having a kid with a disability brings is bound to, to have a profound impact on you. I think I'm really lucky that with Patrick, obviously it's changed him too. And I think fortunately we've kind of changed in a similar way. And if anything, it's kind of brought us closer together and, and tightened that bond so um, beautiful. I'm not pretending it's all perfect. <laughs> Relationships that aren't. together is is really really incredible. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, testament to who you both are as people. Well, I think it's a bit of luck as well because I think it's about how you see the world. You know, yeah. and it's it's it, you know if you have similar views around kind of things like therapy and education and interventions, you know that that definitely helps because there's all as you know so many decisions to make all the time um yeah. Mm. so yeah I think that it's it's you know I'm not pretending we've got like the perfect marriage I don't, don't think such a thing exists mm. you know, there are always challenges in the only relationship but definitely we feel stronger than ever in a, in a way but I am desperate to hear about dating <laughs> and how it's not that I'm like in need of some tittle tattle but, um, <laughs> but I, am. I don't think I've used the term tittle tattle for a long time um yeah being a uh, single mom yeah. on the dating journey how's how was that see I mean what can I say just sexy having a disabled child you know I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm being really really sarcastic no I think um as with anything it's really important just to kind of work on yourself first be happy in who you are content in who you are and then just don't have any pressure initially and speak your truth I told everyone about my, my son obviously and about his um his disabilities but on a first date probably wouldn't give the whole diagnosis story a tad heavy <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's yeah fair enough it's gonna freak people out it'd freak me out if I was on a first date although I'm, I'm probably quite hard to shop <laughs> so for me having a disabled child has actually been really helpful for teaching me how to set boundaries because mm. I, I know what his boundaries are um, I'm very clear on what his needs are and as a result 
he's he's oddly giving me lessons on what is and isn't important in a relationship and it's perspective again isn't it dating has been kind of hilarious just maybe not caring as much about the actual romantic side of it as maybe I would have when I was a teenager and you know that Mm -hmm. romantic relationship is everything rather than I'm going in I'm already a whole person thanks I've got me and my son we don't need anyone else if I happen to meet someone nice along the way great cool um and that really does help to have that sense of humor when sometimes you have bad dates I mean this is just no secret there are (laughs) some weirdos out there and I mean weirdos in the weirdest possible way tell us the worst example just to give us perspective to give us a flavor (laughs) Of this I mean, so level my of worst weird. ever date was um, a chap who looked quite normal. So he was on Hinge and he had a pin, a picture of a dog. <laughs> I thought red dog flag. equals empathetic, nice human being. Right, which would be what I would think yeah, if I saw. We had some good chat initially. I thought I'd sort of sieved out the nut jobness. Um, and we went to go and see um, a young astronomy photography exhibition, which was quite oh. exciting because I really wanted to go and he didn't want to go. Um, but I thought it was about paying, so I paid, going, do you know what, fine. We're wandering around, and he said, kept saying, like, you know, this is all, it's all a lie. What, what, what's a lie? Big bang, astronomy, <gasps> it's just all a lie. <laughs> when you say it's a lie, astro- astronomy's a lie? What? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is just utter nonsense. Do you think any of this is true? The stars are true? This black hole is true? What? Well, well yes, yes, I, I, I do. Fundamentals <laughs> of physics. Sorry. I do. And then it just got weirder. He was mega right wing, um, which it's each to their own. However, actually, his views were really racist. Um, and I called him on it. And I was told I was a white apologist. <laughs> and don't worry, he knew karate and he worked for the Home Office. So he'd protect us all. What? He and worked then, for the Home Office? And that's, 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 that's why you, you don't want the racist at the Home Office. Why on earth are you in that job? And how yeah. are you in that oh job? Oh anyway, my God. It, needless to say, I decided in the first five minutes, he's never getting anywhere near my baby. Um, <laughs> but said, like, I'm sure you're a really nice person. However, like, your, your views on life are so very different to mine that we're just never, ever going to. Fit. You know, what, you, what you mean? I think we're getting on really well. I, I just think you're massively right wing and I'm not. And I'm about to go and watch the Eurovision Song Contest with my wonderfully gay friend tonight, actually. Knowing that he was also homophobic, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh I, I don't think I am at all. Oh, well. Good luck. Good luck with life then. Bye. Anyway, he was actually the worst date <laughs> because I, I found his own views so distinctly different to mine. Mm. I mean... God knows what his views on eugenics would have been. I do believe that as a parent of a child with special needs, you are given this odd, wonderful gift of having a really wonderful bullshitometer. Um, or you just don't suffer fools as gladly as maybe you would have if you weren't in this situation because you're so used to, I want to say, fighting for your child, but having perspective in life about what's important and what's not. Mm. And so, when you're on a date with someone, uh, you can immediately see if it's all about them and their ego, or mm-hmm. there's no empathy, or they're not maybe inherently a kind person, or for whatever reason, they're dealing with their own trauma. But quite frankly, I just don't have time for it because I've got my own little disabled monster who will take me into A&E on a regular basis. I don't need someone else's mummy and daddy issues. Crap. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's really liberating realising that. 
and who knew that the, the silver lining of having a disabled child is that he helps you to quickly sift through who is worthy and who isn't worthy to be to be near me and then eventually to be near him too and it's, I have a question actually it's wonderful. It's quite interesting have you ever introduced Xander to somebody and he because I feel like our kids are so much more in tune with mm. like the vibe I call it the vibe of a person like Lua will only go to she can kind of sift through mm-hmm. those who are not very nice and she will like <laughs> yeah. ignore and be very very cautious and then to people who are really kind she will walk over and hold your hand and she held my hand the other day i've been so loving that yes did you just say that approved by lua (laughs) lua approved lua approved but she's done this so often and sometimes like for example like even with doctors and you know like she can be very and she's so social but yeah has zander ever where you've liked somebody you've introduced yeah give us a story i I think you really do have a, a really great point there of my child is non-verbal and his ability to sense someone's inherent mm. for me goodness but <laughs> yeah he's wonderful at it there's some mm. people he just does not like and he's such a mellow little guy that i'll kind of laugh over it whilst clocking it my child doesn't like you yeah do you know what <laughs> see you again yeah i mean clearly you're more diplomatic in the way of that course. you say <laughs> it's not you it's me timing is wrong whatever the excuse is but <laughs> My child doesn't like you, so quite frankly, no, you're not coming through my door ever again. Um, I mean, What's he done, done? Dramatically. What a filter. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> He's just screamed and cried when I've come home once and was up with a babysitter and that poor, poor chap was quite frightened, so got rid of him. He's done it during sexy times as well with <laughs> another guy who I was, I was going out with for a few months. He was a really nice, um, I thought, laid-back Canadian chap. And he seemed really kind of empathetic towards Sanders' needs. And we had one particular night where, oh God, we just had this really cringy discussion about him staying over with Xander here for the first time. And I was just being kind of easy breezy about it with the, hey, there's no pressure. You know, I'm on this single parenting thing. I don't expect anything off you. I don't even know why I was saying this. Maybe I'd had a beer too many. I don't know. Um, so we came home in my bedroom and Xander just started screaming and screaming and screaming, which I guess he didn't like the sound of his voice. I don't know. Or maybe he didn't like the, he can, he's very perceptive and can hear the tone of how I am with someone too. So maybe mm. inherently, um, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Maybe, you know what? He was just having a bad night. Either way. <laughs> no, no, he knew. He knew he My wasn't child. the right one. Screamed and screamed and screamed. <laughs> then... Oh, when he gets so upset, he gets sort of really anxious, so he can't breathe properly, which then meant he couldn't swallow his own saliva, and then we had blue lips, and then that then mm. leads to me being panicked. So, in short, I burst through the bedroom door at three in the morning to this chap after I just couldn't calm Xander down. I'm like, right, that's it. We're going to a Get up, get up, get dressed. We're going to do this. And this poor guy, like, got up, put his clothes on, and then by the time I'd got the bag packed, Xander had fallen asleep. And I think it was a really interesting moment of realising that he was just inappropriate fit. He wasn't he wasn't gonna work with us. Mm-hmm. It was the wrong vibe for us. And Sandra didn't like him, so you know what? Goodbye. Next. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And that leads us nicely on to your current relationship. So Xander clearly likes him. Mm-hmm. Give us a little how did you meet? How did it happen? Or da da da. 
Um, so yeah, I have a really lovely boyfriend actually who is very worthy. We met in lockdown actually. Wow. Um, Congratulations! Wow. This is a disabled parent's dream. <laughs> in some respects, <laughs> Zoom dates. Yeah. the Zoom dating element. Don't get me wrong. Being locked up, uh, shielding, not quite so dreamy. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with uncontrolled epilepsy. Gosh. Anyway, um, so I met my lovely boyfriend after I'd had a Friday night Zoom chat with my friends. Um, I just kept sort of WhatsApping him saying, going to have to wait a bit longer because I'm actually having a really nice time with my friends because I just couldn't be bothered. I was wearing pajama bottoms, had a glass of wine, switched him onto Zoom, and ah, oh, he's just the loveliest human being. Really empathetic, kind, honest, open, communicative, interested in life, and wasn't expecting him to be there. I think we were both a bit taken aback by. Yeah, just the conversation we had hit it off from from the very beginning took a long time for me to introduce him to Xander mm. wanted to be sure that he was suitable for, for King Xander to approve of mm. um and they get on like a house on fire it's it's really lovely actually I think I genuinely think Xander thinks he's his friend and he comes around to play with him and gets a little bit difficult at bedtime doing that. Uh, no, no, I want I want to hang out with my friend here. Oh, you mind? God, <laughs> He's got him wrapped around his finger. Oh, oh I love like, that. That's, that's so nice. See, there's like a silver lining. You went through the shit and then you found somebody who is worthy of you, worthy of Xander. Yeah, I think it's really worth saying again, like if you want someone, that's cool. I, I was actually definitely come to a place of I don't need anyone don't want anyone mm-hmm. I for me dating was actually quite an escapist little thing to do for an hour check an app have someone write nice things to me if I'd had a really shitty day of epilepsy particularly in lockdown you know like it's just so full-on caring for such a wonderful child but his needs are profound so basically instead of you at the end of the day getting into a bath and like reading a book you jump on hinge and then do that too and then you can have like 10 minutes of, of messaging i love that oh, i love it see what's out there um i really enjoyed the, the zoom dates particularly they were good fun too. meet some interesting people without ever leaving without your house ever leaving your house that's it you don't have to pay for a babysitter put makeup on trek all the way into town to meet someone who's probably gonna be a bit of a muppet i mean nice enough but mm. i'd rather stay home with my child to be honest So, tittle-tattle. <laughs> Here we go. My first ever sex post-marriage um, was with someone I had known for a very long time. He's a lovely guy. Um, Xander was in bed. It wasn't actually particularly planned who was going to come around that night. Xander was in bed. We had dinner, wine. One thing led to another. We had sex under the stars on the roof because I had um, a roof terrace. And, you know, it, it was very sexy, apart from the baby monitor I had right next to his head the entire time, checking to see <laughs> whether my child was having an epileptic seizure or not. <laughs> this poor guy just kind of dealt with it. I mean, I say poor guy. He did pretty well out of it, I have to say. I mean, he got to sleep but, with you. Hello. 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 <laughs> but it must have been quite off-putting with me. Like, yeah. Having Marvin Gaye on, really sexy. You had, uh, hang on, you had Marvin Gaye. On. I mean, who doesn't have Marvin Gaye? We were getting it on. And then me going, "Oh, was that? Was that a seizure? Oh, 
hang on. Keep that thought. I'll be right back. I'm just gonna put <laughs> him oh in the recovery God. position. I'm gonna <laughs> run on downstairs. He oh clearly see me on the baby monitor going in, singing songs, checking he was fine. He wasn't Navy having a seizure. All, all was good. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> Mummy loves you. Mummy loves you. Running back up. So hey. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh my God. Oh just my God. so awful. But taught me some valuable lessons on how to not date with a child with uncontrolled epilepsy just yeah don't don't have sex anywhere near them initially it's gonna be disastrous um and then that night actually i i left him just to sleep in bed by himself and i chose to sleep next to my baby because he's my priority and mm. yeah anyone else in the house like eh, whatever mm. anyway there you go story told we love <laughs> that story what were you saying about um having you know time for a bath or a zoom date as your respite for want of a better term mm. after a, a difficult day of seizures and the term gets overused but that sort of self-care that you, I guess it, it's escaping the identity of carer mm. mum mm. that role that you're constantly playing and, and having some time for you and I guess that's true in other relate you know in in Relationships, uh, relationships in general yeah absolutely yeah. you don't you know it's about how do you make the time and the space for your relationship as a couple as opposed to just parents of this child, child. <laughs> um yeah you know how, how do you do that really now I mean I think covid and when Arbs was working from home we spent so much time together and we realized mm-hmm. that for it was like a year we didn't argue once and we realized we argue more when we don't see each other and we argue less when we spend more time together so it really prompted us to rethink how we spend time together and he began to prioritize like days off so now he'll have a day off during the week when Lua's at school just so that we can spend the day together being ourselves and doing silly things like we went um to play mini golf last week so we try and do this once a week obviously some days we're not we're going to do something really mundane like go for shopping or whatever but usually we'll try and do something fun and interesting because it's the only time that we're not where I'm not a carer or a mum and he's not a bank manager and working It, it, it is it is and it's just it's made the relationship so much more fun like you, you'd, after a while, we've been together seven years now. It's like you, you start to lose the fun, especially if you don't invest in the relationship. And you, yeah. So it's bringing back that sort of fun, young, yeah. And, I, and we try to not talk about Laura as well. So for that six hours that she's at school, we have to just not talk about her. Do you manage that? Not always, especially <laughs> if she's like done something really cute or like in the morning and she's, you know, so we'll talk about that. And then sometimes I do miss her, so I'll go. <laughs> we'll be sitting having lunch and i'll go through pictures (laughs) like isn't she really cute here but we try like it's a way yeah i mean and i think that sometimes you need that time to 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 chat with a bit of distance as well because Mm. it's actually you know parenting you yeah there are big decisions and big topics to talk about at times Mm. and actually the day-to-day doesn't allow space for that true we find that when we go out for dinner or or you know 
it's our birthday recently we have the same birthday yes i know it's weird um, <laughs> <Sold me>. um <laughs> it's fucking irritating um <laughs> the one day i could have had no um i yeah. to share it with you <laughs> anyway so we went out for our birthday lunch and we did find that we were talking about the kids like loads at the time when we're having lunch but that's 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 okay that's life that's you yeah. know what you, sh- you that's our common thread at times one thing that we do is we were very lucky to both have quite large and supportive families mm-hmm. um it's irish family that there used to be a thing of when we go over to ireland please go away for a night we'll look after the kids oh we'll look wow after the kids. love dreamy that. family yeah his his brother and his sister both used to you know they both got Growing up kids now were really keen that we did that and mm-hmm. it was and obviously we were very obliging um <laughs> no it was uh yeah and of course one would have a go so then the next turn, time we were over the other one would have a go oh. that was all has always been really really helpful to have that like space to actually because mm-hmm. if it's an hour here or there or it's an evening when you just literally are exhausted and you've both got mm-hmm. all your kind of stresses from the day it's it's not quality time in the same way. So I think removing yourself from the parenting roles is uh, on the day to day is really, really important if you can do it. And I know not everyone can, and mm. we're really lucky to have that. But yeah, it's, it has made a difference. And of course, I, I must mention my mum. My mum looks after them as well, mm. um, which is, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I'm so grateful for that. It, it, it's for me, it's similar to the self care discussion that people with SEN kids often struggle with is finding that time for you and your point from earlier as well about but making time for yourself is so so essential your, your child can pick that up in you mm. and similarly one's relationship to putting the time and effort in can be exhausting at the end of the day but mm. even if it is just a glass of wine at the end of the day and talking about something completely different or watching some inane box set of tv it's it's really essential to to play that different role rather than just be the parent caregiver at all times because it's heavy stuff we have to deal with you need to have that play and Mm. that balance to keep sane aside from anything Mm. and also to enjoy the relationship that you have of course yeah remember the other side of of the person it's true i think for us uh, because lua was in hospital for so long in the beginning and we were so we were both quite young and first child and we were just thrown into this like freaking mm. the deep end of a deep 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 pool we had no nobody n- nobody in our position and nobody understood so we clung on to each other and my mum at the time was just saying you really need to invest in your relationship in this moment because you two are going through something so big and traumatic that Lua will pick up on what's going on between you two so you two really need to band together and work on each other to help Lua get to a place where she needs to go and I really really took that on board so I think had we not had Lua and with all the disabilities I don't think we would be as strong of a couple as we are because of her so I'm Mm. in a really weird crazy way grateful that we went through yeah everything because I can literally read his mind and he can read mine so yeah very grateful it's so true though i think that shared understanding Mm. is 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 incredibly valuable 
um, or bonding. It's bonding. Kind of yeah. bonding. If a it's shared, a shared understanding. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's the biggest, isn't it? That's it's, the biggest. Yeah, it's not always going to be the case, and that's you know, as, as you've kind of outlined in your story. Like everyone has different experiences and relationships, and they're not all going to be that. There are. I think it's it's also worth stating that when there isn't that romantic other person to share that with there is still a wider extended network and i'm mm. so grateful Absolutely. that i have i have some of my old school friends some some nights i'd call up and download them as to what's just happened with his health and mm. being able to talk through what's happening in your life and the decisions you need to make on behalf of your child and, and their, their medical needs is so valuable irrespective of where that that conversation comes from it can be with yeah my school friend it can be his medical providers I, I really appreciate those relationships in a way that I probably didn't before having him mm. the the wider network and the codependency mm. and asking for help from other people is yeah vulnerable but really rewarding when you get it so it's so important yeah. I mean, I, yeah so that you know we, we I guess Rena and I have described quite this kind of traditional yes parenting style <laughs> i guess it may be rather than traditional i'd say fortunate and lucky situations yep. that we're in but yeah your family your support network is what you want it to be it doesn't need mm. to come from that and i think that's that also goes back to what you were saying about you went looking for a relationship you were happy in in you know mm. with your most important man in your life and being a single parent you didn't need that external person to come and support you you were doing it all by yourself and I feel isn't that that thing where when you're not looking yeah you get it and that's what's happened yeah. here I think it's when you're so secure in yourself that actually that's when you're ready to Very have somebody so. else kind of come in yeah another question actually how much um does your partner have a say in how you kind of parent Xander and the, the decisions that you have to make especially being a sen mum does he have a say or do you ever t do you ever ask for his opinion or is it all still you yeah i definitely ask for his opinion and i i really value and respect his his view i think he's yeah he might be relatively new to this relationship only being a couple of years in but he understands my child and he understands me and he's very logical and um very calm in the face of what are often quite extreme emergencies he can make paramedics laugh like i've, I've never seen <laughs> i think he sort of feels like it's his mission to make them laugh um but i i'm really grateful for for his views of that but he's very respectful of my boundaries and he will be the first to say as well this is your call what mm. do you think i'm here if you want to talk mm. about it and i can give you advice or i can just listen what would you like mm. and having even that self-awareness is yeah, I'm so grateful for that. He actually. sounds wonderful, right? But I'm not surprised that somebody <laughs> wonderful is attracted to you. Definitely, I have to say, like, Stop. you know, Stop. this is probably not that helpful a comment. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, after all the trauma that you've been through, how are you such a nice person? Honestly, it would be geez. like, I mean, that, I know that's not helpful, but it would be so easy to you be have a bitter. In life, don't you? You have a choice to choose. It's so cheesy. You choose love, or you choose that, like bitterness forevermore my life didn't go the way i thought it was going to mm. whose life does and mm. um, this is part of the insane roller coaster of having a disabled child 
you need to, I'm about to paraphrase Ronan Keating. You need to ride Come on. that roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I can't roller, that's it. I can't the words. Just Shit, gotta ride there. it. There we go. <laughs> but it's true. Someone's uh, hoping that NR people are listening. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Whoops. I have my uni friend to blame for my Ronan Keating lyrics. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> not me. It doesn't not count. Me. I sang it and off key, so it's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> I have a choice. And then, do you know what the last thing linked to this is worth saying is. I don't think we talk about these good news stories enough. I think as an SEN parent, we're all clear, we're knackered at the end of the day, and we'll exchange stories on, yeah, Instagram, the grumbles. Every child who has this condition, we all have similar grumbles. And I love that community. I love that validation. Mm -hmm. But actually, in amongst that, I'm not the only story of someone who's found someone incredibly lovely to be their partner. Mm as a result of, as a byproduct of having my disabled child or just because they were going to come into my life anyway, who knows. Mm. But these stories are really not that few and far between at all. Mm. It's really beautiful seeing mm. even random people I've never met on our Instagram community hearing about the empathetic, kind human beings who've come into their lives and want to be part of their, their child's journey and their journey and are honoured to be playing some role, no matter how small. And that needs to be celebrated, that there are massive upsides to this. Mm. 100%. Wake me up, loud as clouds, all my love for you. So, Vicky, as we do with every guest who comes on our show, we ask them for their hashtag awkward. So, have you had any awkward encounters with you and your disabled child? Why, yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, do you know, one of the more recent ones was um, I was in a restaurant with my lovely boyfriend and Xander in his wheelchair and we'd had a really nice meal. Um, Zand was struggling to eat because he's um, shortly going to be moved to, to tube feeding. Um, he looks disabled. Either way, we had a really lovely meal and then it was kind of ruined by the um, waiter at the end saying to my boyfriend like uh what's wrong with your son and what? he said oh well uh he's really open so he went oh well actually he's got a brain malformation and he has epilepsy and he's blind and then chap went i know the cure so oh, eight thousand pounds is gonna buy you um <laughs> special kangan water i want to call it oh god i'd now sound like i'm an advert it's some kind of alkalized water and all xander needs to do is drink it every day and it's eight thousand pounds up front and it's not a pyramid scheme oh, however you're <laughs> <feel> so relieved <laughs> yeah that was my latest one jesus what did you say um <laughs> awesome boyfriend said do you know what i'm gonna take your number yeah, and tell me, and what was your name again? Uh-huh, right. Um, and then made a complaint and asked him not to say such things to people with disabilities in the future. Awesome. In a really lovely awesome way. Awesome boyfriend. Really lovely way. Well done. <laughs> Very smart move. Thank you so much, Vicky, for coming on the podcast. It really it means so much to us. Uh, you have been brilliant, as we knew you would be. Um, thank you for sharing your story All. The, the highs and the lows thank you don't thank know what you. else to say thank, thank you so thank much you. thank you we love you <laughs> but before you go one last 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 thing what is your fucking normal my fucking normal is um at all times 
I live with approximately five really bright, shiny, coloured helium balloons in my lounge because my son loves helium balloons. And they're always at various stages of inflatableness. So sometimes they can scrape along the ceiling, they follow you from room to room, and that's my fucking normal. Beautiful. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you. They are quite creepy at night. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Fucking Normal Podcast. We love making this podcast. Yes, we do. (laughs) We are part of a much bigger team, almost exclusively all parents of disabled children. And our goal is to reach as many people as possible and create a community of support for parents and carers who share our experiences. So if you've liked what you've heard, please like and subscribe so that we can reach out to more people. You can find more information on this and other episodes at fuckingnormalpodcast.com. That's F-K-I-N-G normalpodcast.com. You can join us on Facebook and on Instagram at fuckingnormal underscore podcast. That's F-K-I-N-G normal underscore podcast. You can get all the links and more information in the show notes below. So thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. We'll see you next time. Bye.